Hello, and welcome to She Dynasty. I'm Valerie Moiselle, and these are the women who rule. Welcome back to She Dynasty. So today we're going to do something very different, something I've never done before yet on this podcast. I'm going to introduce you all to a lovely woman named Kim Shapira. And Kim is a celebrity dietitian and nutrition therapist. And I met her and I was so intrigued by what she did um, that you know I immediately wanted to hire her myself. Um, and she offered to do my first session on a She Dynasty podcast. And so that is what we are going to do today. So I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable. Um, like so many people, um, COVID has had me gain a few extra pounds. And so it's been something on my list that I've wanted to try to solve. And so today, Kim is going to do a live session with me and share um, what she is calling the Shapira method, which is an alternative to dieting, um, where you analyze your interactions with foods and in the attitudes that you have around eating. And um, very excited to see how this goes. Um, again, she's worked with lots of big celebrities, so people like Kaylee Kuko, Brittany Snow, and she's also a guest for Dr. Drew. She's been featured in Glamour Magazine and so much more. Hi, Kim. Hi, Valerie. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really nervous about this because I don't know. I've never, you know, I'm always the one kind of interviewing and now I feel like you're flipping the script a little bit and I'm also being very vulnerable. Um, I just, uh, you know, told everyone that COVID has uh, had me put on a few pounds. So it's like so many people listening um, who I'm sure will be very eager to hear what you have to say. Um, you know, I'm looking for a new way to deal with this, to solve it. I mean, I feel like I, you know, I start a new diet every Monday and none of them work. And I, it's funny cause I, you know, I have this cycle where like, I'll try something for three weeks and then it works for a minute and then I get discouraged and then I switch to another diet and I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little defeated. Well, there was, there was a lot of information in just that. So First of all, the thing to remember, if you only remember one thing, is that our body loves consistency. And so if you start restricting or go on a diet, then you're telling your body, you know, there's not going to be enough. And so if I do overeat or I eat, you should probably store that for the next time because I'm not sure there is going to be a next time. So we really want to get away from this feast or famine idea and we want to give our body consistency so it can trust that it can give up what we don't need. Yeah, I totally. I totally understand that consistency is everything. And I think that's what I struggle with the most. I think the reason that happens to me is because you know, there used to be a time um, in my life when I was a bit younger where you know I would diet for a few days and you'd see such a big difference. And then now it just doesn't happen as fast. And so when the results don't come quickly, I feel like, okay, this, what I'm doing right now isn't working. And then you go online and you Google, well, why isn't this working? And, and then you read, give it 30 days. And I'm like, I just don't buy it. Like if it didn't work in the first four weeks, why all of a sudden is it going to work? You know? Yeah. But again, it's that consistency thing and it may have been working. You just didn't give it enough time. Think about every single time you lose one pound, you lose it as water, fat, and muscle. 
every time water, fat, and muscle. And every single time you gain a pound back, it's as fat making you fatter than when you started. Okay. And you might've been lean when you started and suddenly you're, you lost three pounds and gained back four. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And so being consistent again, tells your body that they can trust that they're safe. So when you pick something to do like a lifestyle change, um, and right now the one that I'm on, I'm doing intermittent fasting because that seems to be the trending one, right? Like how long do you give something before you feel like it's not working? Um, that's a very good question. I, I think everything works. So it's really hard to say if your cycle is three weeks or two weeks or four days, yeah, I would probably shoot for 30 days, but I am going to take that back actually. Cause I would urge you to not start anything. That's going to stop. That is a trap. Wait, what do you mean by meaning? Like if I can't continue doing it for the rest of my life? Yes, exactly. So, right. Like I believe in, you know, willpower versus inner power and people who go on diets use willpower. I can do this for a week. I can do this for 30 days, but inner power is thinking I have everything I need inside of me to survive the moment. It means that when there's a storm that comes like COVID or something that I don't need to rely on an external force like food or shopping or drugs or sex. I can rely on my own coping skills to survive this moment. And you can. Okay. So let's, let's jump in. So you tell me about your patterns or your start with your relationship with food. So, um, just, I think going back to my childhood, um, I come from, um, a very ethnic family. My parents were both born in North Africa, um, and they're Tunisian. And so I come from a very rich culture of food. Um, and my mom was a stay at home mom and she loved to cook. And when I tell you love to cook, I had the most amazing meals every single night and they were big and they were delicious. And I also wasn't allowed to leave the table until my plate was licked clean. And I'm not exaggerating. Like she would make me sit there. And so as a child, I was a little bit overweight. Um, but you know, we were just everything centered around food, holidays, uh, Friday night dinners, you know, just a lot, a big kind of food culture in, in my family. So, um, you know, from a very young age, just always loved food. And I can honestly tell you that food is one of the most, um, important things to me in life. Like I love it. I look forward to it. I think about what I'm eating for dinner, uh, next Tuesday. I plan what I'm eating for lunch next Friday. Um, I just think about it a lot. You know, it's a miracle to me. Sometimes it's a miracle that I'm, um, not, not heavier than I am. Well, let me ask you, honestly, are you open to change? I am, but you know, I think what I struggle, I definitely want the change. Like I'm not like physically okay with looking at myself in the mirror at this moment. Cause I've put on about 20 pounds since COVID. And the funny thing is before COVID, I thought I had a few to lose. So now, <laughs> you know, so now it's like a whole nother ball game. And I'm, you know, I'm already kind of a small person. I'm five, four. So 20 pounds makes a big difference on me, you know? Um, and I'm open to change, but what I find, and this is the hard part. And I have this conversation with my husband all the time is, okay. So I go a few days and I'll lose or a few weeks and I'll lose a few pounds and yeah, it feels great, but I'm kind of happier as a person when I get to eat. Cause I love eating so much. Right. And so 
I wish I, I, I've met so many people that just don't love food as much as I do, you know, and I just wish I didn't. Yeah. I think everybody actually loves food. I think that everybody is a foodie, right? We all need food to survive. We can't live without it. So therefore we all need it and we love it, but it does, it definitely depends on the way that we see food. And right now you see food as entertainment, as comfort, as joy, which tells me that you're not in your rational mind. So, you know, there was years ago, I was really tired and my friend said, well, it's because you're drinking chocolate insures. Now I'm a dietitian, So chocolate insure was make sense because that's what we give to patients in a hospital. And this was years and years ago. And I had just had a baby and I was breastfeeding and I was trying to keep weight on. And so I was drinking these to supplement my diet and craving sugar. And my girlfriend said, I think it's a chocolate insurance. And I thought, no way. And she said, yeah, you're definitely crashing. And so she planted a seed in me. And so then I kind of had to like really explore was, was it these chocolate insurance? But what I first felt was total fear that I was losing something I think I thought I loved. And that wasn't something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And so I made a deal with myself that I would experiment short, just a very short term, again, willpower for five days and see how I felt. And so I cut out sugar for five days. It was extremely difficult and painful. And every part of my body was craving it, which were the withdrawals that I had never realized I was having. And then what happened on the fifth day is I stopped needing it, wanting it and thinking about it. And a peace kind of came over me that I hadn't experienced or ever expected. And so when you're talking about food and the way that you think about food, it's because you're limiting the possibilities and you're not really sure of how you can have this really great relationship with food and eat what you love, but it only nourishes your body. It's not your source of entertainment and comfort and joy and pleasure, right? So when I say, are you really ready for me to help you? I'm actually asking you to open your mind to more limits, right? Pushing those limits away. Yeah, look, I, I think that um, it's really important to me to figure it out. And what I haven't been able to figure out is, is how to have, you know, some moments where I, I can enjoy it and, and still feel good about myself. It's like, there's gotta be something. It just always feels like it's too extreme to the left or too extreme to the right. And I can't figure out something in the middle, you know, and we're going to, we're going to stay in the middle. We're going to stay in the middle. And I mean, look at your history. You have been yo-yo dieting forever. And so there is this real, like, I can have this now, but I can't have it later. And so that's going to tempt you to want to eat more. Yeah. 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 And and it's interesting again, because the second I don't see results, I'm just like, okay, I have to try something different. My body is not reacting to this, you know? Yeah. I want to change like your idea of what the results are because this idea of peace where you're not actually having to worry about the next greatest, latest bad diet is an interesting idea, right? Where you're just like, you do you and I'm doing me and what I'm doing is working is a different concept because there's so much excitement for the next diet. But if that doesn't exist for you, there's a whole bunch of time and space to do other things that really are an opportunity for you to be more creative and to do the things that you really love and to do them feeling great. Okay. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I guess let's, well, I want to know, I want to talk to you about digestion and make sure that your digestion is good and that your hormones are balanced 
before we kind of jump into the way this works. So let's start with digestion. Do you ever have, um, suffer from foggy brain? No, I, I mean, I can honestly tell you, like, you know, I have a lot of friends that, um, you know, I have actually, my younger sister has a lot of digestion issues. I don't have any issues. Like I can pretty much eat anything I want without it upsetting my body in any way. I think, I mean, there's a couple of things that, you know, could be a result. One is my blood pressure, um, is high sometimes. Um, so that's something that I have to kind of keep in check. So that's um, salt and water. That's your kidneys, but we're going to, we'll get to that. Right. Let's, let's stick to digestion for one second. Do you, um, so foggy brain's not a problem for you. What about, do your eyes tear? I mean, you say that, um, no, I mean, overall, no, it was weird. A few weeks ago, I started to have that for the first time. I was having a little bit of tearing eyes, but then it went away, but I don't, that's an issue. What about a runny nose? I mean, sometimes. Yeah. What about clearing your throat? Yes. Mm -hmm. What about burping? Not belching, but small little burps, almost like a hiccup. Sometimes. What about nausea? No. Bloating? Definitely. What about stomach noises, like squeakiness? Mm -mm. What about gas? There's airy gas and there's smelly gas. Uh, sure. I think it feels normal though. Like I've had my whole doesn't life. doesn't have to be. You don't have to have it. And smelly is usually a food sensitivity and airy usually means that you've got a constipated environment and there could be a fungal overgrowth. It would go hand in hand with teary eyes, runny nose, clearing your throat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any heartburn? No. Okay. Normal bowel movements? Yes. Great. Um, normal is long as shape, silent sinkers. I think one a day is perfect and easy wipes. Agreed. That's the goal. Yes. Yeah. Um, what about joint pain? Um, the, the only thing, and I, I've kind of chalked this up to my age is I've noticed when I wake up in the morning, um, and I get out of bed, like my ankles feel a little bit stiffer than normal. I don't know if that's what you mean by joints. And yeah, so I do actually, usually, um, I start like after walking for a minute, it goes away, but definitely there's a stiffness right when I get out of bed. Any leg cramps or irritation? Yeah. Yes, I have. I do have leg cramps sometimes, not, not all the time, but sometimes. Do you take any cholesterol medicine? No. Okay. So there are definitely some supplements that I would recommend just for those symptoms and for what's going on with your gut. Do you have any rashes? No. So I'm just going to explain leaky gut for one second okay. from your mouth to your anus. It's this digestive tract. It's the width of a tennis court and every single inch of it has a job and food should travel down one millimeter an hour, giving you a 24 hour transit time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so so we think about your digestive tract, like a paper towel holder and the inside is the mucosal layer and the outside is the epithelial. Okay. And between the two, this very thin layer are these tight junctions that kind of look like bricks. And sometimes when we eat food that we're sensitive to, that gives us smelly gas, it's damaging the mucosal layer. And if there's enough damage, it makes these tight junctions leaky. And that's where we end up with arthritis or other, other autoimmune disease, anxiety, depression, some other things. And so we really want to secure our mucosal layer. And so if you do get smelly gas, you really do want to do a food sensitivity test and see what foods are triggering you right now. They are temporary. They're going to change, but you can remove them and then add 
a whole bunch of like omegas and whole grains that to repair your gut and probiotics. Is, is, is gas a normal thing though for people? Isn't that something it, that it everyone can has? be sure. Yeah. I think that everybody makes gas. Um, I don't think you have to experience it in a discomfort, like in an uncomfortable way, or even have it like feel it. I don't think you have to feel it at right. all. So there are some people that just don't feel it at all. Yes. Have you ever had days where you're gas free? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's definitely times where you feel it more than others. Yes. Sure. I mean, if you're eating beans, there's a natural occurring bacteria that causes gas, but gas is also telling us that something's going on. So like, for instance, if you're having squeakiness and you're burping and you're having airy gas, it's because usually there's a fungus inside of your stomach making the noise. And when it's producing gas, that's the noise you hear. And then a couple of minutes later, it comes out as a burp or fart. Oh, interesting. Okay. And, it's, and it thrives in a constipated environment. So it's an easy fix. You just increase your transit time, change some of the foods you're eating and you're good to go. Okay. So your digestion seems pretty good. There's some things that we could fix. Um, and definitely I'm questioning those leg cramps and ankle um, tenderness. I'm curious about your iron levels. And if you eat red meat, have you ever had anemia? So I went, it's interesting. I went to the doctor, I think three years ago and he's like, oh, wow, your cholesterol is really high. And this is when I was uh, 20 pounds lighter, right? So he says to me, um, I'm going to have to put you on a statin. And I said, well, oh my, and I'm the kind of girl that barely takes an Advil, right? And so I said, well, what's that? And he said, you have to take this medication. And I said, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. And he said, well, um, you know, I, I, from looking at you, and he, he knew my activity level because at the time I was, you know, pretty active, not like crazy, but you know, pretty active. He said, you're not overweight. You work out. I'm assuming that this is just a hereditary issue. Um, you know, I'm not sure that there's anything you can do about it. So I don't. And, and so he left, he gave me a prescription. I walked out. I literally burst in tears. I was like, I do not want to be on these drugs. Um, and then started researching I bought every book I could possibly buy like, you know, lowering your cholesterol for dummies and, um, you know, immediately just got like crazy about what I was eating and cut out all meat and dairy just because I was so, um, just on a mission to not have to take that drug. And so I cut it out for three months and to your point, it was very hard. Um, you know, very, a big transition. Um, and this, you know, I was probably eating meat twice a day. And before that, like whether it was a turkey sandwich or chicken or, you know, there was not always red meat, but I was eating a lot of, and definitely a lot of dairy, whether it was a yogurt or a piece of cheese in a sandwich. And I cut it out and I dropped my cholesterol. <laughs> I went back four months and I dropped it like crazy. Like he took a blood test. He's like, okay, what have you done? You know? And cause I pretty much became like a vegan. And I was so extreme and so crazy about it, but I also knew in my heart of heart, it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable, you know, cause I had cut out like all the things that I loved, but I was so strict about it. Um, but I dropped my cholesterol to a super awesome level. And he's like, okay. He's like, if you can keep this up, you don't have to be on the drugs. So since then I've definitely, um, kind of cut out, you know, I've definitely changed the way I've eat. I've now eaten, or sorry, I've changed the way I eat. Um, but definitely I do eat meat and I do eat cheese, but the balance is much better, you know? And so now every time I go to the doctor, I'm a little bit like on the cusp, you know? And how's your HDL? I don't know the numbers, but, um, I know that the good cholesterol. Yeah. That's HDL. 
I, I've been told that I'm borderline not being good, but okay. I'm still not in a place where, you know, where he's concerned. He's like, if you keep it right here, I'll be good. You know? Okay. So here's, here's what I'm hearing. First of all, I hope everyone who's listening to this hears that you made a difference just by diet alone and didn't have to go on medication because the doctor basically said to you, this isn't diet related. And I'm, you know, it is always worth starting with your diet. A hundred percent. I mean, I wasn't sure I could do it. You know, he was very convincing and that it was hereditary and I just, I just couldn't accept it, you know? Yeah. It's again, so impressive. Um, okay. So here's what I hear though. Your blood pressure is on the cusp. Your cholesterol is on the cusp. This all goes to something called metabolic syndrome. Are you familiar with this? No. So metabolic syndrome. And I mean, I'm looking at you right now and I can see that you're not obese. I wouldn't even, I will, from what I can see, you don't look overweight. And so there is something going on and I'm curious about your body fat and then goes back to this yo-yo dieting and you losing three and gaining four. So what happens with metabolic syndrome is that if we're overweight, it affects our liver and our liver is responsible for metabolizing cholesterol, triglycerides and body fat. Mm -hmm. So if you're not drinking enough water, your liver has to help the kidneys and the liver doesn't metabolize these fats. Mm -hmm. So two things are happening. One, your body fat is too high for your little body. And two, you're not drinking enough water. So if you can start implementing even more water and then curious, because you're looking at me like I drink water, how much water are you drinking? I'm not, I don't drink enough water. And it's something that I've, uh, I, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I, I always notice that I don't drink water. And so I get on these kicks where I have to drink more water. And then I forget yeah. to drink water. I yeah. literally just so forget. Hard. And so, so I drink, hard. I drink these all day. Is this count as water? I'm holding up a liqueur. It, it does, but it also could put gas in your stomach. Right. Yeah. So here I'm, I'm holding up a Mason jar. This is four cups. It's sitting on my desk. I try and get through two of these a day. And, you know, try is like, try, I try. It's not always easy because I do prefer coffee, but I know how important it is. So just to reiterate, if you don't drink enough water, which water cleanses every single organ, we're surrounded by water. I think three quarters of the world is water. Our body is three, three quarters water. We need water. We can't survive more than three days without water. So how important is water? in anything you do, like on a scale of one to 10, it's a hundred, a hundred. Okay. See that I need to hear that. Cause yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you drink more water, but you know, maybe that's part of the reason. It's a big reason for a lot. 1% dehydration feels like the flu. Yeah. So like water, you've got to find a way and make it not negotiable that you're getting at least eight cups of water just by drinking water. It relieves your liver of a whole lot of stress. And that stress that you're putting your body under is actually affecting your adrenal glands, which then affects your cortisol levels, your glucose levels, and your, your sex hormone levels. So, so coffee doesn't count. Doesn't count. Isn't that such a bummer? (laughs) (laughs) Love coffee, but there's water in it. What's the problem? (laughs) Yeah. There's tannins in it, which are bad for your kidneys. And there's caffeine, which are also bad for your kidneys because it causes like this, this movement, this peristalsis movement that then causes you to have a reflux where you're peeing too often. Right. Okay. 
Yeah. So we, to, to help our bodies be these self-healing machines that they are, you need eight cups of water. Yeah. So retest both your blood, blood pressure and your cholesterol in three months after adding eight cups of water and see what happens. Wow. So that even that alone can make a difference. Yeah. It's what your body needs. Think about like a hose with just like, how annoyed would you be if like only a little bit of water was coming out of the hose? That's what happens when we don't drink a lot of water. When we drink water, our hose is going full force and we need it to. Yeah. I, there's no question that I'm not drinking enough water. It's, and I I just have to figure out how to make it like a priority, you know, I just have to figure it out. Yeah. It's uh, again, keep it on your desk. Like when do you work out? Um, I have a different routine. So right now, and that's the other thing that is super frustrating to me. It's like, I just feel like, so right now my routine is, what am I doing? Monday, um, Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm doing soul cycle. I'm a soul cycle junkie. Love it. Tuesday and Thursday, I'm doing a Pilates class. Um, and now for the last three weeks, I've been trying to walk $10,000, 10,000 10, steps a day. Good for you. Um, so that's uh, just been added. And I think that's why I'm frustrated because I literally do all those things. I've been doing them for the last three weeks and I think maybe I've lost. Oh, them. oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Hold on. You know, exercise doesn't cause weight loss. No, I don't know that. I know you don't. I can see that frustration. Yeah. No, we need exercise because it helps us maintain our weight to lose weight. It's 90% what you're eating. 10% exercise. Oh God. Wait, okay. Stop for for a second. I just need to process that. 90% of it is what I'm eating. Yes. That's, that's like a big deal. It is a big deal because again, you're irrational in thinking about food. You think food is fun. And now you think I'm taking it away from you. I'm not, I promise. Okay. I promise. We're just balancing. We're rebalancing you. Okay. 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 So again, you need to, if you want to lose weight, it's 90% what you're eating, 10% exercise, but to stay the same weight, it's 50% what you're eating, 50% exercise. Okay. So you're maintaining. I'm definitely, I am, I'm maintaining. I've kind of stayed. That's a gift. That's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. That's the end goal. You're learning how to do that. That's, there's no drama. It's kind of boring. I see it's annoying you, but the reality is like, that's our goal. Yeah. I think like, I've always been really great at uh, being motivated to exercise. And what's really interesting is most of the women who I interview on my podcast, you know, these type A women or, you know, these very successful women, they always find time to exercise. Um, I have always been that person also for some reason, um, the pandemic messed with me. I don't know what happened in my head. I mean, you'd think you're home, it's easier you know, you don't have to, you have more time. You don't have to commute to work for some reason. It had the opposite effect on me. I just felt so lethargic and unmotivated and inspired. So, you know, it's been, it's been a challenge. So now I feel like I'm getting back into my rhythm of where I've been for so, so, so many years, but I think that those kind of two years off, you know, so there, I mean, that explains a lot of it. So I wasn't exercising and I, you know, obviously was probably not eating healthy and not drinking enough water. So it all kind of piled up. I have some backtracking to do here. Yeah. So yes, you do. Do you happen to know what your body fat is? It's high. (laughs) Okay. So we want it to be under 24%, between 18 and 24%. And every 1% is equivalent to three pounds. And that kind of tells us where our normal weight should be. Okay. Is there something I can buy to test my body fat? Yeah. I like the, there's, um, I like the Omron. 
this is a very old vintage machine. Okay. But, um, they are, I like the Omron. Okay. So it's something I can buy like on Amazon. Yes. Yeah. And there's also scales, which, you know, I don't know if you like to weigh yourself or not. Right. And not a lot of people do. A lot of people also are unaffected by it. And ultimately our goal is to be unaffected by it. I, I don't weigh myself or do my body fat, but I can gauge how I'm doing. Right. And I'm also a consistent person and thrive in routine. So, you know, there isn't going to be two days in a row where I'm not taking care of myself. There could be one day just because that's how life is. Yeah. I wish I could, uh, weigh myself every day. I'm just always just so like bummed when I do it. It feels like it depresses me. My husband weighs himself every day and he swears that that's what keeps him thin. Some people feel that and need that. And, um, I'm glad you don't weigh yourself and I don't think you need a scale. I think you can gauge on your own and that's already enough. And we have to kind of change what's happening. Your little narrative that's going on in your head anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So what about hormones? How are you sleeping? Um, I don't sleep well. I mean, I fall, okay. So I fall asleep super easy. Like if I put my head down on the pillow, probably within 60 seconds, I'm out. And I usually will go to sleep like nine 30 or 10, you know, just, I work a lot. Um, I'm exhausted by the end of the day. Um, I pop up without question 3am, 3am I pop up. Um, and you know, sometimes I wake up and I have like night sweats. I definitely, and I go through phases where I have, uh, sometimes a lot of it and then I'll go months without it. And then it comes back. I do find if I go out for like a very rich or heavy dinner, I cannot sleep at night. Like it does something to my body. Like it is not, my body does not like it. I can tell like when I come home from like a meal like that, that I'm going to have a hard night. Does that make you sense? You think you have more inflammation than you think you do. Okay. Yeah. And I think the water is a good first step. Okay. Um, are you, do you still get your period? I do. And is it pretty regular? Yes. And how are you between periods? In what, in what sense? Hormonally, physically, bloating, breast tenderness, facial hair, I mean, all I, the good things. I think pretty, pretty standard. Nothing that feels like it's, you know, obviously as I'm aging, I'm trying to think what's changed. Um, I, I don't feel like I've had like significant changes since I was okay. That's good. Kind of lucky. I'm still kind of good. Yeah. There are again, a couple different supplements that can help you balance your hormones. It sounds like your like estrogen levels seem normal, progesterone and testosterone, but your cortisol level, which is your stress hormone is too high. Oh, there's no question. (laughs) You know, but I always chalk it up to like, well, I run a company. I have all this pressure. That's why, you know, and so I wake up and I'm you know, miserable, obviously, because it's not fun to not be able to sleep. So I always use it as a, why don't I just use this time to write emails? And so my team gets all these emails at 6am when I send them. (laughs) Yeah, but you can have this same success and do it more balanced. Right. And so that's ultimately our goal. We're not going to like cap ourselves off and like, here's why, but rather than like, I can have more, I can be more. Yeah. You rolling your eyes at me? No, no. I'm just trying to think is, so is there a difference between, um, not being able to sleep at night because of stress versus what you're eating? It's all related. And so the way that I work is putting you back in balance, right? Because I believe in, if, if you're not sleeping, you're not making good decisions. 
and I need your mind to be in your body when you're making decisions, right? Just the very idea of, am I hungry or food is a good idea. And then, you know, thinking that that's your idea where it's just your mind kind of throwing that thought out there. Um, I'm jumping ahead. So I'm going to come back just to sleep for one second. Then I'm going to go back to the way your mind works. But what happens in your body is your cortisol spiked too high. And so you're running on adrenaline, you're burning out. And so one thing that you want to consider is soul cycle might be, you want to maybe take it down a hundred notches in your workout until you start sleeping through the night because your body's already stressed and that kind of workout can be more stressful. I'm a huge fan of spin classes, but not when my body is stressed. And so you would benefit more from maybe doing a five minute spin class, telling your body, this is the time I wake up and then doing something more peaceful like Pilates or yoga while also getting your 10,000 steps just until your circadian rhythms are balanced. And circadian rhythms really are um, your body at homeostasis. This is your cortisol, you know, rising at 6 a.m. saying, this is the time I wake up and it's your melatonin at 9.30 saying, this is the time I go to bed. It's your digestion. It's all of those things that we're talking about with consistency. In order for you to be consistent, your circadian rhythms have to be balanced and 10,000 steps and moving your body balances them. Okay. Now, is there, you know, I know a lot of women care deeply about like cardio, right? Versus yeah. like 10, walking 10,000 steps. Well, it, isn't that the same? Can it, it be? I, I'm, that's my question is, does it matter? you know, if you're running versus walking, um, can yeah, you get, it does. It, it does, it does. It also matters if you're stretching or, you know, what there's five different parts of physical fitness. There's, you know, stretching, there's flexibility, there's strength training, there's cardiovascular, right? There's, so you have to focus on all of them, but right now what you're not doing is honoring the way your body feels it's tired and stressed. And so we need to put you back in balance. This is very temporary that you wouldn't be pushing yourself in a spin class, or maybe you would take the spin class, but you would take it down a few notches. You would still get the same meditative practice. You know, I think it's like dancing with your soul when you're in soul cycle, you would still get that practice. You just wouldn't be pushing yourself to that extreme and you would still have cardiovascular. It just wouldn't be at 80%. Your max velocity would be at 60%. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but you can walk fast or slow. But again, you need to honor the way that your body feels and you're a little out of practice with that. Oh, very. So, so just, so, so just so I understand you're saying whether I do a spin class, that's very high intensity. You're saying that I would get the same thing out of just like walking every day. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So if you're, are you doing it to burn calories? Yeah. I think that, you know, since, since I've been a young, like a teenager, I've, just always felt like in order to lose weight and stay fit, your heart has to pound, you know, like you have to feel, you have to sweat, you know, How's I'm just, that working out. <laughs> I mean, look, it used to be better when I was younger, but I think that was probably just because I was younger, right? No, it's not going to work out. No, it's not, it's it's not, not going to work out. So, so if, if somebody said to me, you never have to do a soul cycle class again, you can just walk 10,000 steps and you're going to get the same the same benefit. Like I have a hard Somebody's time. Nobody's not going to say that. Nobody's going to say that. What okay. they're going to say is again, this idea to honor your body, right? Right now I'm tired and I'm stressed. 
So my body needs me to take it down a few notches until I'm up to it again. And then I would imagine that somewhere while you're moving in your day, you're going to feel inspired to run because you're not so tired because your body has that energy to do it. But right now you don't right now you're pushing through adrenaline and you're burning out. And this is causing you to wake up in the middle of the night and then make poor decisions during the day. Yeah. And look, I think when I get to soul cycle, I'm so tired. I'm like, Oh God, I can't believe I have to do this, you know? And I really push through it. It's not. And I see the energy people have in that class. I'm like, what is happening? Why is this not as easy for me as them? But do you remember a time when you had that energy? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I blame everything on the fact that I'm getting older. Yeah. And we need to get your body back into balance. I would not blame it on aging. I would think that that is a hundred percent, not an excuse. Just like you being successful is not okay to have that excuse. You can feel good and have it all right. But you need to honor the way that you're feeling. Okay. So let's talk about your mind. We have 60,000 thoughts a day that are in response to something you see, smell, feel, and hear. They're not Valerie thoughts. They're not like, I'm going to go to work and have these thoughts. They are, it's your mind doing its job, just like your stomach does its job and your heart does its job. Your mind has a job to keep you safe. So you're saying it's a reaction to something. It's not something that I'm generating. It's a a reaction to something in my world. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yes. And so because of this, you need to be able to view those thoughts, right? It's not like you sat down and said, okay, lungs, I need you to breathe heart. I need you to, to be your mind. I need you to think for me. You sometimes can do that. You can ask your mind, I need to, you know, write this paper. I need to do that. But in the meantime, your mind is constantly making sure that you're surviving every single moment and doing it in the most pleasurable way. We don't like to be uncomfortable. And so this right there is the most important thing to understand. My body is going to do anything it can my mind is going to do anything it can to get me out of something that feels uncomfortable. So let's say I learned early on to be a people pleaser, or I learned that um, if my chest feels tight, food is a great idea. Or if I'm stressed and I just go and walk through the kitchen, I can just have a quick little snack and I'm, I'm going to have something fun in my mouth right now. And it's going to distract me from the way that my body's feeling. Maybe you didn't even think about any of this and it just became an automatic practice. So many people plant a seed where I'm going to have a glass of wine at five, or I can't, you know, wait till my kids are asleep and I can have ice cream in front of the TV, right? There's this entitlement, this reward, and it's basically our mind is producing thoughts, creating pleasure for us to look forward to when the reality is most of the stuff we signed up for, we're excited to be in this moment. I'm grateful that I'm alive. And I need to remind myself, I can survive any hard moment. Meaning not, not falling for it, not going, not falling for it, not this, not being seduced by it. And then again, laughing, what kind of hard moment are you in? My two kids are yelling at them. My other one's like ignoring me. That's the hard moment I'm in. That's why I need to put an Oreo in my mouth. I have a deadline. And so therefore I would rather have a glass of wine than have to worry about my deadline. I picked that moment. I'm on the journey. Okay. So our nervous system is actually our only system in our body that we can control. Sorry, go break down. The nervous system is, remind me, that is your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. And so it basically controls 
a lot of actions in our body. But what I really want you to understand is if our mind, if we're feeling stress somewhere in our chest or if we're having a backache or, you know, we're feeling anxious, we may not recognize that I'm feeling anxious in this moment. But because of that discomfort in our body, our mind says food is a good idea. Is it because it's a distraction from that uncomfort? Sure, it's a shiny object. Yeah. Is it because you get a different, like if you have something that's uncomfortable in your body, eating gives you a different pleasure. So it masks that uncomfortableness. Is that what's happening? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Because again, our mind is seeking out pleasure, right? So if a lion walks into the room, we're thinking, how can I get out of here and survive with the most limbs possible? Right. We're constantly seeking a more pleasurable outcome. That's what our mind is doing. So then there are habits and we train every single day with these thoughts. So, so I just want to break this down because I find this really interesting. So let's say I'm super stressed, right? And I find myself like when I am stressed, like I'll go into the pantry and eat something. So it's probably because I'm trying to take the the attention away from the stress and get something in my brain that actually feels good. And that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. You're- but if I choose not to eat, then I have to deal with the pain. Yes. But, but that's and a good thing. So how do a, I? It's a great thing. It's a Why? great thing. Because if you're going into the pantry because you're stressed, you're using food to cope. Is that a proper coping mechanism? If your kid comes into the room right now and they're like, mom, I'm so stressed. You're like, cool, let's go into the pantry and get food. You would say, let's take a deep breath. This moment's going to pass. You have everything you need inside of you to survive this moment. And you know what happens? The moment passes. You're 10 pounds heavier and you can't remember why. You don't recognize that it was your coping mechanism for stress. I didn't have food issues growing up. My issues were shopping. And I can tell you right now, like if a, you know, there was this one time when I was so stressed and I couldn't recognize that I was so stressed. And, you know, I got an email from my favorite clothing line and it was during COVID and they just announced new fall lineup. So to me, that's like intermittent fasting or new diet trend. And I'm like, ooh, ooh. And then they made it healthy. They told me that it was, everything was on sale. And I'm like, great. And I open up the email and I see the sweater and I think I have to have that. Now I'm literally standing in my closet full of clothes, looking at this email, thinking I have to have this sweater during COVID. Nobody needed a sweater during COVID. And the sweater was outrageous price. And then I started laughing because I've been training for this moment my whole life. And I started laughing and thinking, wait a minute, if I am thinking about a sweater right now, I'm not okay. Let me scan my body, see what's going on. And then I can always come back and buy this sweater. This sweater is going to be around for the next year. There's always a sale. And I could say the same thing. There's food everywhere. There's always food. There's food on every corner. You can get the same food two days in a row, right? And so once I really did recognize, holy crap, I am stressed. And it happened to be that I had 30 days to move and nowhere to go. And all five of us were on Zoom. And I had three dogs. My stress was real. But then I decided to honor my body, I took out my yoga mat. And then I went back into like, I think it's all going to work out. I have everything I need to make this work out. And the next day we found this house that we bought. Such a great analogy. I love that. That really, really helps me think about it differently. 
But is there, okay, so let's say you're someone who doesn't have stress, right? Or I mean, I don't know if that's a thing, but. but we have new emotions every 15 minutes. Okay. But I so guess. We have emotions. We're emotional beings. But I guess, you know, people are passionate about different things. Some people love yoga. Some people love hiking. Some people love ceramics. What if you're just truly someone who loves to eat and the taste of food? Is that a thing or is that not? Sure. Do you actually taste the food? Because I actually have clients who are tasters and they only take one or two bites of anything. So when somebody is talking about loving food, then the challenge is really like, "Hmm, I don't believe you because what are you doing when you have food in your mouth? I, I'm, I eat fast. I'm definitely a fast eater. So I'm not okay, like stay in the, in the moment you've got food in your mouth. You're chewing it 30 times. No, probably not, but you're supposed to, you're chewing your food. What are your hands doing? Um, they're preparing sure. the next bite. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. That's so right. you love food, but not enough to taste it. Right. Okay. Understood. And we know that the reward is all in the anticipation. I get to put that in my mouth. We want to change the reward to I'm actually enjoying what's in my mouth. And there's also, there also seems to be an incredible like satisfaction, like when you eat certain kinds of foods, like for me, I, I crave carbs. Like all I want to do is eat bread and pasta. And, um, you know, when, when I feel, when I eat it and I feel full, like that's a very good feeling. It's a good feeling for a moment, you know, it feels great. It feels terrible the next day or a few hours later. Okay. So when we hang up, you're going to go buy yourself a weighted blanket because what you really need is a hug. Oh, okay. Yeah. Get yourself a really cozy weighted blanket. And just so you know, carbs are actually fruit, vegetables, starches, and milk products. Okay. Yeah. And they're a nutrient inside the food. And you probably crave them because you don't allow yourself to have them at certain times. No, for sure. But they have vital vitamins and minerals that we need and they should be part of your diet. Right. So being too extreme about anything is not the right way to do it. No, everything in moderation. And um, we're going to get to that. So the way that our mind works, as you know, we have 60,000 thoughts. We have a lot of stored memories. In fact, we develop triggers in the first seven years of our life. When we go through something traumatizing, we develop a new trigger. And then we actually pick careers and marry spouses that help us master these triggers. When you say master the trigger, can you explain that? Yeah. So um, I'm going to use myself as an example. When I was um, 12, I got sick and ended up in the hospital. And I went on for the next five years to go to UCLA. And my mom would always say to me, like, don't cry, we'll go shopping, which then is how I developed this fierce shopping addiction. And um, so I picked a career to make people healthy because I was so unhealthy. And then early on in my career, I realized I'm not responsible. I didn't, I realized it, but I didn't overcome or master this, that I wasn't responsible for people's health. I couldn't make them eat the foods that were going to be good for them. In fact, I was failing at that, which is why I had to change directions and stop working on getting them to eat kale and focus on why they weren't eating kale. So we pick careers and then we work for the rest of our life on mastering them once you become aware of them. So we can call these hot buttons and I can't predict what your triggers are right now. Maybe we can have another conversation and go over them. There are 18 potential. But what happens is you could get a phone call 
and suddenly you feel triggered. I don't know, maybe you were disrespected in that phone call, or maybe something wasn't fair and it triggered you. I'm not sure. And either way, what happens when you're triggered, there are 1400 different sensations that occur in your body that cause all of the blood to go to the extremities and the in to go to your extremities. So you basically can run from the lion that came into the room. There's no lion. It was a phone call. It was something you saw, something you, you know, overheard. And suddenly your body is completely triggered, which means that it's not moving forward. And what happens is your mind actually jumps out and flips its lid. This is why people get in trouble. This is why people shop, overeat, overdrink, cut themselves, have sex, do things that aren't in their norm. It wasn't part of their plan. And so again, go back to the nervous system and the system that we can control. If you can start recognizing, okay, that just triggered me. Now I'm going to take some deep breaths. That's how we control our nervous system. I can put my mind back in my body. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's, 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 there's one thing that I have always kind of believed to be true. And this is me kind of opening up being very vulnerable, but I don't have a great relationship with my mom and I haven't since I was a kid, but again, she was this fierce cook. And anytime we'd have a fight, the way she would make peace with me would never be with words. It would be by cooking something. There was always just this huge comfort um, in the meal that she would make. That was like the way she showed her love. Right. And so, and so I still don't have a great relationship with her, but you know, when I eat a meal, it somehow makes like a good meal, like what she used to make me, it like really makes me feel whole. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And what I would say is you're allowed to change. You first, you really do need to give yourself permission to change and that you can be different than you were an hour ago and that you can be anything you want in this minute. And in this moment, right? And that's really important. When I think about my 12-year-old self and being so vulnerable and shy and so scared at UCLA and using going shopping at Bullocks as a way for my mind to have some sort of relief, I would never want to take that coping mechanism away, right? That's all I knew. It saved me on so many occasions, but I don't need it anymore. I still love to shop, but I don't need to overshop. Right. And so as long as you can look back with gratitude and appreciate those moments, then you're really going to be able to have change and the change and the progress is going to look different. Right. There used to be times when I would pick up my daughter from the bus and I would have an extra half hour. So I would go to Bloomingdale's. And then there was this one moment I got to Bloomingdale's and I thought there's nothing here I need. Right. So being the progress looks different. Me two years ago, standing in my closet, progress looks different. You know, my mom got really sick a couple months ago. I never once thought a sweater was going to be a great idea. Never once thought that that was going to help me in this moment. It looks different. And you have to allow yourself to stay on the journey back to that consistency. Fascinating. I mean, everything you're saying, it's like, you're really just reshaping, you know, there were just so many things back to food and eating that I didn't even make connections to. Good. Good. That's my plan. Okay. So let's go over my six rules. Okay. Okay. And let me know if you have like a visceral reaction to one of them. Okay. Okay. The first rule is to eat when you're hungry. Do you get hungry? Yes. How do you feel about hunger? I hate being hungry. Yeah. Okay. Hunger is your best friend. 
to your best friend. So what would happen if you suddenly stopped having to pee? You'd go to the doctor and say something's wrong. Right. Okay. So what's hunger? Okay. Understood. I understand where you're going with this. Hunger means your metabolism is working. It means that all cylinders are firing. If you don't get hungry, then your body doesn't have room to eat or to store what you're eating. It could be healthy. And I'm doing air quotes because nothing is healthy unless you really know how it's affecting your body. Yeah. So before I was doing this intermittent fasting, I would not let myself get hungry. And now that I'm doing it, I do get hungry and I, and I hate, I'm mad. Like I get when it, like when it's time to eat, like, and I, I'm start, like right now I'm starving because I, I can eat. And- okay. But, but right now you're hungry, but you're safe. You're not going to die. I'm not going to die. And there's food. There's always food. Right. And sometimes it gets uncomfortable and your mind is screaming at you. You better go get food. We're, we're dying here. That's not real. And you need to tell your mind, I'm okay. In about 15 minutes, I'm going to get food. And there'll be more in two hours and there'll be more in four hours and more tomorrow. And you had 21 meals this week and 10,900 meals last year. And you can't remember any of them. Right. So we make all choices from either a place of fear or trust. And right now your brain, your mind is saying, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Right. I agree with that. And so again, back to like my yoga mat experience, you have to go and honor your body and say, you're safe. We're going to have food. I trust there will be food. There has always been food. And think about when you've had to pee so badly and it's so uncomfortable and you become so narrow-minded and hard-focused and it's all you can think about. And then you pee and you totally forgot how bad it was. It passes. Our moments pass. Understood. Okay. So. Hunger is your best friend. It means your body is working. We want to get hungry. How often, how many times a day, how often do you want to be hungry? Well, now we're talking about blood sugar and blood sugar is the link to longevity and good health. And that means every two and a half hours, every two and a half to three hours, you want to be hungry. If you are not getting hungry in three hours, you overate your last meal. Oh, wow. And that's okay but don't do it again. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So rule number one has three parts. It says eat when you're hungry, you start with your normal portion and you cut it in half. Okay. Okay. Was that a fearful deep breath there? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Normal, very normal because now you think I'm taking something away. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm not. Okay, I'm not taking away food. What I'm doing is honoring the way that your body feels. Okay. So let's say we go and have lunch in a restaurant and we both order chicken piccata. If your order is smaller than mine, I'm going to be pissed before even I'm considering how hungry I am. We need to have the same portion. So restaurant is basically serving you, me, a football player and a 10 year old kid, the exact same lunch. We can't all be at the same hunger level, right? So we need to be responsible and figure out how much we need. And so we're going to do that by starting with half. It takes 15 minutes for our stomach and our brains to connect to say, I've had enough food. There's actually a hormone in the lining of your stomach called ghrelin that tells your brain, Valerie's had enough food. 15 15 minutes. It takes 15 minutes. And so I know that if I'm really hungry, I can eat 
pretty much everything in six minutes, four minutes. Right. That's what I was going to say. Then I can pretty much eat everything you're going to eat because that 15 minute mark hasn't happened, which means I'm overeating every single time. Yeah. Now you're probably going to be really hungry when we hang up and be tempted to eat more than you need. And what happens is you'll start with half and then you'll wait 15 minutes from the second you start eating. And then you might get distracted and then recognize one or two hours goes by before your stomach tells you it's time to eat again. Okay. We never need as much as we think. Okay. But our brain, our mind is going to say, it's more fun to eat. You're hungry right now. It's not considering what we're going to feel like in five or six minutes. So if I eat a meal and I am able to finish it in five or six minutes, I should wait till the 15 minutes. I'm sorry, cut it in half and then wait and see how I feel. And you're telling me I'm going to feel different after 15 minutes. A hundred percent. Okay. I've never done that. You might need another bite and you might not need any. It's kind of like a Chanel purse that you really, really want. And then you put on hold, you walk away and you're like, oh, I really don't need it. Let yourself get distracted. Okay. Okay. Rule number two, which I am anticipating a visceral reaction from putting it out there is to eat what you love. Okay. Tell me, tell me all your thoughts. I mean, that scares me. I feel like that's my biggest problem because if it was you only a- heard carbs, you just heard carbs. That's all I want to eat is pasta and bread and cheese. <laughs> that's it. Pasta, bread. And it was up to me. I'd throw everything else out and just eat pasta, bread and cheese. So I have a client who for the last three weeks has only been eating pastries. Okay. She's lost seven pounds. Oh my gosh. What? Because she's only eating when she's hungry and she's only eating half. Okay. Okay. So it, it's a fail safe. It works. Okay. So what I really am waiting for to happen is for her to say, I don't think they make me feel good and I'm not satisfied anymore. Got it. And when that happens, then she starts branching out and that's where the real growth happens. Wow. Okay. If you don't let yourself eat what you love, you're going to binge it. Okay. And I don't know if it's going to be a little bit or a lot, but you're going to feel ashamed and persecute yourself for that. And we're trying to relieve you of any of that. Yep. I had, I had a moment of that last night. I went to dinner with friends. I hadn't been eating bread all week and we just went crazy. Yeah. Right. So it needs to be part of your diet, but if you eat bread and your food shows up 10 minutes later, are you really hungry for dinner? I don't know. I don't know. And so you really have to just get curious. So this is all about you getting a healthy relationship with food. And so many people have these words like healthy, unhealthy, should, or shouldn't they're not paying attention to what they love. And like, you know, blueberries are on every superfood list and they give me like explosive diarrhea. So like what's healthy to you and what's healthy to me are not the same. And you really need to figure it out and not pay attention to what any diet is telling you. Okay. Rule number three, I'm curious about this one with you is to eat without distractions and distractions come in the form of work, phone, computer, books, magazines, TV, and emotional distractions, all the emotions, happiness, excitement, celebration, dinners with friends, stress, boredom, procrastination. And then the real reason we should be eating is only because we're physically hungry. Got it. No, I definitely eat with distractions. There's no question. And usually it's this and I'm holding up my cell phone. So yeah, definitely. There's So anyone who listens to this, then the challenge is really to get Valerie to admit she loves food and can be alone with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I wouldn't really think you love food. You're right. Okay. Very good point. 
Okay, rule number four is, you know, 10,000 steps, and that's for those circadian rhythms and for maintenance. So the first three, you're going to lose, if you do them at 90%, you would lose on average three pounds a week. If you do the rules at about 80%, you'll lose about a pound to a pound and a half a week. If you follow the rules at 60%, you're going to gain weight. Those steps need to be part of your practice so they can be part of your maintenance plan. So if I, uh, just curious, just because time becomes an issue some days for me. So if one day I can only walk 5,000 steps and the next day I can do 15,000 steps. No, it has to be 10,000 a day. Yeah. And so some days, like there was a couple weeks, couple, like, um, you know, as I think I told you, I sold my first book. And so I turned in my first edit last week to my publisher. And there were two days where I got, you know, I think 8,000. And I just called it at 8,000. It's not a big deal. It's not, it's not a practice that I'm worried about, right? Because I know tomorrow I'm going to try and be more intentional to get 10. This is a long game. This is not like, what can I do? How much can I do this week? This is how much can I make this part of my life? Got it. Yeah. I mean, look, there's just some days, like no matter how hard I want to, you know, if somebody's scheduled a call for me at seven, because I have a client in China and then my last calls at nine and there's nothing I can do about it, you know? Right. Well, could you stand and do your zooms? Can you take those calls and walk? Can you, you know, walk? Well, like That's, that's good. If you, if you can see that, do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. So I was always thinking, so I'm showing up my phone right now and you'll see that there are a few days that I've like surpassed my 10,000 steps. And then there's other days where I haven't. And I was like, oh, I just make it up on the next day. But you're saying that that's not good. It's not great. I'm looking for consistency daily. And it has to be 10,000. We can't ease into it. Like with like a seven. Yes, ease into it. Yes. So if you're normally at 5,000, just push yourself a little harder. Again, think about the long game. And most people will say 10,000 is too hard. And I have 24 years of experience where people have said that to me and then it becomes their favorite thing because it's time for them. Yeah, no, I actually really enjoy it. And I, I'm actually bummed when I have days that I can't schedule it. So yeah, good. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I'm starting to work through towards. And when I do it, I feel so much better. So yeah, exactly. And um, think about this consistency idea. If you eat 25 grams of fiber today, you're going to poop tomorrow. If you walk 10,000 steps today, you're going to feel better tomorrow. If you drink eight cups of water today, you're going to feel better tomorrow, right? So you've got to be thinking long-term. So you'd rather me walk 10,000 steps than take a soul cycle class? Um, Right now, if you're not sleeping through the night, yes. The answer is yes. Okay. Yeah. I want the most important thing is sleeping through the night. Okay. Okay. So for whatever reason you're not, we definitely need to be fixing that. Okay. Okay. So rule number five is eight cups of water. Like we talked about, it's a natural cleansing system. It's really important for weight loss and weight maintenance and for every organ. And the last rule is seven hours of sleep. That one's not so easy, but okay. Not yet. Right. That's not yet, but that feels like the only one I don't have control over right this minute. Yeah. And, and I think those steps will help you. And then I think lowering anything that's going to cause you to run on adrenaline is going to help. So there are a few supplements, um, that you might want to look into. And I'm, I don't know if, you know, it's, it's hard to recommend supplements to whoever is listening, but in general for you specifically, um, I'll probably send you a note on some that would be very helpful to, to help your adrenal adrenal glands. 
Yeah. And that's it. All six. Amazing. Amazing. What do you think? I mean, I'm like blown away because you're just, um, you know, I didn't really understand what it means, like your approach, you know, and it's definitely different than anything I've ever heard. And you're making me think about things in very unusual ways. Like my brain's trying to like process it and connect the dots, but like, there's nothing that you have said that doesn't make, uh, you know, hundred percent sense to me. So it's just, you know, a different way to look at it, you know, and you don't, I guess you don't realize, you know, somehow for me, the, the issues that I have with food are just about the food in my body. I don't realize that my brain plays a role in this, right? Like I don't, I've never like connected the dots that there's that, that piece that is what's causing most of the problem. Right. Yeah. And by the way, your, your stomach gives your brain 80% of its information. Interesting. Yeah. It's a two-way street and it's run through the vagus nerve, which is your nervous system. Amazing. Well, thank you. I mean, you. it's been incredibly, incredibly eye-opening. And I hope everyone who's listening is just as wowed as I am. And Kim, thank you. Thank you for doing this. And I absolutely want to talk to you about continuing because now you've sparked sparked my interest. And um, yeah, I've got some work to do. Yeah, a little bit, not much, but you're you're on the way. And um I'm I'm curious to see, you know how you implement it, but don't negotiate with yourself. Just do it. Just do it. I think there do was, a, I think there was a famous brand that said that once, right? I think so. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Kim, if people want to find you or learn about you, how can they do that? They can go to my Instagram at Kim Shapira method. And my website is the same at, um, which is Kim Shapira method. And, um, very soon I'll have my first book out and I hope to help everyone who is struggling. So, um, and I have, um, I have groups, weekly groups with, um, six to eight women all throughout the week where, um, they're all over the world and they're all working on themselves. And then I see clients privately. Well, congratulations. And, um, I'm super excited to continue this conversation with you and for everyone who is listening to get excited and learn more from you as well. Great. Wonderful. Thank you again. Awesome. All right. We'll be in touch. Thank you again. Okay. Feel good. Enjoy your lunch. 